Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you this morning as we begin to uh, enter into the Bible study here on Deuteronomy 15. So, have to do the ritual. Why don't we just uh, raise our hands to stretch if you need that? And uh, it's a good way to, to worship the Lord. So whatever you could do to get yourself ready to go, do it. But the most important thing is that we have a moment of prayer. Okay, so let's pray. And uh, let's ask the author of this book uh, to make the book, the Bible, alive and real to us this morning. So, Lord, we, we just want to thank you, Lord, for a brand new day uh, that you've given us. For the potential that's within it. And Father, we thank you for your word that really is, it's a lamp to our feet. You guide us and you lead us through your word, uh, not just to give us more information or uh, even principles. I mean, you, you do that, but we thank you, Lord, that through your word, we get to know you, the author of the book. So Father, we just pray that you would breathe upon this study uh, we pray, Lord, that you would underline and emphasize to each of us those specific parts of this chapter uh, that you want to speak specifically to us. And we, we thank you. Uh, we come with an expectant heart, Lord, to meet you through your scriptures. And it's in your name we pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. Okay, so let's read Deuteronomy 15. At the end of every seven years, you shall grant a remission of debts. And this is the manner of remission. Every creditor shall release what he has leaned, uh, I'm sorry, loaned to his neighbor. He shall not exact it of his neighbor and his brother because the Lord's remission has been proclaimed. From a foreigner, you may exact it, but your hand shall release whatever of yours is with your brother. However, there shall be no poor among you, since the Lord will surely bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess. If only you listen obediently to the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all this commandment, which I am commanding you today. For the Lord your God shall bless you as he's promised you, and you will lend to many nations, but you will not borrow. You will rule over many nations, but they will not rule over you. If there is a poor man with you, one of your brothers in any of your towns in your land, which the Lord is giving you, you shall not harden your heart, nor close your hand from your poor brother. But you shall freely open your hand to him and shall generously lend him sufficient for his need and whatever he lacks. Beware lest there be a base thought in your heart saying, the seventh year, the year of remission is near, and your eye is hostile towards your poor brother, and you give him nothing. Then he may cry to the Lord against you, and it will be a sin in you. 
you shall generously give to him, and your heart shall not be grieved when you give to him. Because for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and all your undertakings. For the poor will never cease to be in the land. Therefore, I command you, saying, you shall freely open your hand to your brother, to your needy and poor in the land. If your kinsman, <coughs> excuse me, a Hebrew man or woman is sold to you, then he shall serve you six years. But in the seventh year, you shall set him free. And when you set him free, you shall not send him away empty handed. You shall furnish him liberally from your flock and from your threshing floor, and from your wine vat. You shall give to him as the Lord your God has blessed you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this today. And it shall come about if he says to you, I will not go out from you because he loves you and your household, since he fares well with you. Then you shall take an awl and pierce it through his ear into the door, and he shall be your servant forever. And also you shall do likewise to your maidservant. It shall not be seem hard to you when you set him free, for he has given you six years with double the service of a hired man. So the Lord your God will bless you in whatever you do. You shall consecrate to the Lord your God all the firstborn males that are born of your herd and of your flock. And you shall not work with the firstborn of your herd, nor shear the firstborn of your flock. You and your household shall eat it every year before the Lord your God in the place which the Lord chooses. But if it has any defect, such as lameness or blindness, or any serious defect, you shall not sacrifice it to the Lord your God. You shall eat it within your gates. The unclean and the clean alike may eat it as a gazelle or a deer. Only you shall not eat its blood. You are to pour it out on the ground like water. Amen. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> as I'm focusing here on uh, Deuteronomy 15, I think there's <clears throat> two primary things that I think that God is emphasizing. Number one, that God wants to bless us. Okay. Uh, if we look at the Bible, God wanted to bless the Israelite nation. But not only did he want to bless the Israelite nation, he wants to bless his people. That would be you and I. He wants to put a blessing upon his church. So that's number one. And we'll try to unpack that in some details. Number two, not only does God want to bless Israel and us, we need to be very clear. There are conditions for us to be able to receive those blessings. They're not carte blanche, just kind of, okay, here they are. Uh, there's things we need to do co to cooperate with the Lord to be able to receive what he wants to give. So before I jump into Deuteronomy 15, uh, I just want to give a little bit of an overview here on Deuteronomy chapter 28. Uh, and I'm going to read just a couple passages, Deuteronomy 28, uh, and it would be 3 to 6 and verse 8. This is kind of like a prelude to jump in here. So here's God's heart. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the offspring of your body and the produce of your ground and the offspring of your beasts, the increase of your herd and the young of your flock. 
Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. And verse 8, the Lord will command the blessing upon you in your barns and all that you put your hand to, and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. So Deuteronomy 28 is definitely talking about God's blessing. I want to bless you, Israel. And we pick that theme up uh, in, again, Deuteronomy 15. Uh, let's look at a couple of verses there. In Deuteronomy 15, verse 4, the Lord says this, However, there shall be no poor among you, since the Lord will surely bless you, there's the word, bless you in the land, which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess. Verse 6. For the Lord your God shall bless you as he has promised you. You'll lend to many nations, but you will not borrow. You will rule over many nations, but they will not rule over you. If you look at the last half of verse 10, it says this, For this thing the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all your undertakings. And then uh, also uh, in the last half of verse 18, he says here, so that the Lord your God will bless you in whatever you do. Uh, and then I love this uh, benediction that God gave uh, to Aaron to give to the people of Israel. Uh, this is in Numbers chapter 6, uh, and it's verse 23 to 27. And it kind of gives an overview of God's heart to his people. Listen to what he says. Speaking to Aaron and to his sons. The Lord said this, thus you shall bless the sons of Israel. You say, say to them, and we've heard this probably as a benediction somewhere along the way. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you his peace. So they shall invoke my name on the sons of Israel, and I then will bless them. So here he is. God is saying, I want to bless Israel. And for us, the church, God is saying very loud and clear to each of us on the screen, I want to bless you. So the question is, okay, what, what does it mean that God wants to bless? And I believe that would be God saying, I want your life to be full. I want your life to be abundant. And I want your life to be satisfied. Not problem free. Uh, we're never going to have a problem-free environment till we die and go to heaven. So blessing does not mean that we're going to avoid hard times. Everybody on the screen will experience those. But even in the hard times, God says, I want to be able to be your strength and your portion and your satisfaction. Uh, I could kind of relate to this idea of blessing uh, as a father uh, my aim is to want to bless my children. I have three of them. I, I've always wanted them to have a good life, a life worth living. I obviously did not want them to be cursed. So when I think about it, I wanted them to be able to thrive, to have a full life and a satisfying life. That's, that's me, a human dad. If me, a human dad, have that desire to my kids how much more, I believe the Bible would say, God the Father wants to put a blessing on us. If we as humans want to bless our kids, 
God's saying, how much more, the ultimate father, do I want to bless my children and give them a full life? Even Jesus said this in John 10, 10. He said, I came, you probably have heard this voice, I came that you might have life. And he said that you might have it, what? Abundantly. Okay, that is God's desire. Straight out for everybody here. But... And this is the second major point I want to lift up here. But God is very clear in his word that if we're to experience those blessings, there's something we have to do. There are conditions. And we're going to see that the, one of the primary conditions to receive God's blessing is to be obedient. So uh, I want to jump back one more time. Uh, Deuteronomy 28, before I go to 15, and Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2, and eventually we'll get there, so just give me a little foreshadow here, but it says this, God speaking, now it shall be, if you will, here it is, diligently obey the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments, which I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you will obey the Lord your God. And I read some of them before, but there's a whole bundle. God said, I want to bless, but you've got to cooperate. You've got to be willing to do what I've asked you to do. And that's repeated right here in Deuteronomy 15. Look at Verse five, I, I read the blessings in the beginning. God wants to bless, 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 bless. But we do see the condition here. Verse five, I want to bless, but it says here, if only, if only you listen obediently to the voice of the Lord your God. Getting back to the image of the parent child. Sometimes when you're raising your kids, they don't want to hear what you have to say, right? I mean, if any of you had kids, sometimes it's like, I don't want to hear it. Uh, I do not want to hear what you have to say. Literally, they could be putting their hands over their, uh, their ears, not literally, but figuratively. I don't want to hear. And God says, no, no, no. You're my children. I want you to listen, 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 listen. And it says to listen with a response that you would listen he says here in five, obediently. So we're called to hear God and then hear him and then to do what he's asked us to do. And that's about the whole book we have before us in the Bible. It's not just enough to do soaping, folks. It's not enough to read a chapter a day and even talk about it. The bottom line is, to do it, to put it into gear, to put it into application. Uh, not to do that, we're going to miss the boat. So again, five, if you listen obediently to the voice of your Lord God, and listen here to observe, hear the word carefully. Carefully. The Lord is saying, this is not a light matter. I'm not playing games with you. Listen obediently. Listen very carefully. And he says, to all the commandments. 
not to some. So we don't have the option to go through the Bible and say, well, I'll do this. I won't do that. <clears throat> I read once, I believe it was Thomas Jefferson that had a Bible, and there were points where literally uh, there would be a scissor and they, they would cut out the parts of the Bible that they didn't want to do. Now, huh, that's convenient, but it, you just can't throw away parts that you don't like. So the Lord's saying here, you want to experience my blessing. Here's how to do it. He said, listen with the idea to obey. Be careful to do all that I've asked you to do. Um, now, let me just say a side note here. Uh, and it's just a side note, but it's extremely important. So why? what's our motivation to obey God? Is it because we see God with a big, big stick and he's in heaven? And if we don't, that he's going to come down and, and whack us one uh, so that we're serving him. But we're always, always afraid maybe that lightning bolt is going to come at us. That is not the way the Bible says we are to obey the Lord. I think the Bible is very clear. The Bible says that God loves us and he proved it. By sending his son on the earth, okay, number one, that's God's, the father's love. He gave his son. The son loves us because he was willing to live in this kind of a hard world and die on a cross. And the Holy Spirit lives in the midst of all this craziness down here, and he doesn't take off on us. God has said it again and again, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. <clears throat> And I, and I think if you receive his love, I think the instinct in us is if I know God loves me, there's going to be a rebound in my spirit that I want to love him back because he first loved me. Uh, and if I really love somebody, I will seek to please them. Okay? You think of people in your life, uh, people that are close to you. Uh, if you really love them, you're going to seek to please them. You're going to seek ways, in a sense, to what we talked, to bless them. So the whole idea uh, of obedience is not of a slave that's fearful of the master getting him. No, it's a love response. Jesus said this, uh, John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. John 14, 23, a couple of verses later, he said this, if anybody loves me, he will keep my word. Jesus is saying, if you really love me, it's not going to be a hardship to obey. You're going to want to obey because that's your way of practically showing that we love him. That's the deal. So that's a side note, but it's not a side note. It's what's the motivator of obedience. Now, as I said before, I want to bless my kids as a father. But get this. <clears throat> there are opportunities that are given to kids and that it can go bad. <clears throat> Excuse me. So if I tell my, my kids do this and they disobey, they talk back, they have bad attitudes, actions, whatever. Because of love, I will continue to discipline my children. Right? I mean, anybody has a parent here, you've had to do that. Okay. Now, I keep doing that 
But if they continually resist me, if they're continually disobedient, this keeps on going on and on and on and into teenage years. There comes a point where I'd have to say to my child, hey, if you're not one to live by the rules, okay, here we are, the rules of the house, then you're going to have to leave. Okay? That can be the end result of a disobedient child. They leave because I want to know, but because they reject my authority and my love. And that's exactly what happened to Israel. They disobeyed God, and God kept knocking, come on, come on, and he loved them, come back, come back. He disciplined them, and ultimately, Israel did not listen obediently. Uh, the Bible says they stiffened their neck. They had an attitude, and Israel literally was deported uh, by the Assyrians. Judah had the same attitude. They did not obey. They did not listen. And they were basically carried into captivity by the Babylonians. In other words, they were kicked out of the house. Was that God's desire? No. But as I said, God's blessings are contingent uh, with you and I walking with him. Not, not getting a fist going against him, but if we walk with him, just the way if my children walk with me, it allows me to bless them. I can't bless disobedient kids. Got it? I mean, that, that would be a total mess if my kids are mocking me out, disobeying, and I said, well, I'll bless you. I'll bless you. They're going to get the idea, ah, but I'm just going to take it when I can get it. So, so important, again, uh, this idea uh, that we need to obey. And now there's some specifics in regards to being able to obey. Um, if you look at 15, 1 to 3, uh, there has to be willingness to wipe out debts. Uh, at the end of every seven years, you shall grant a remission of debts, 15.1. And this is the manner of remission. Every creditor shall release what he has loaned to his neighbor. He shall not exact it of his neighbor and his brother, because the Lord's remission has been proclaimed. From a foreigner, you may exact it, but your hand shall release whatever of yours is with your brother. So basically, Every seven years, everything went away, debts. And I think that's a way of God saying, I want to be merciful. I want to be kind. I don't want people carrying this big load and burden of debt year after year after year after year after year. That's just the good mercy of God said, hey, after seven years, no more. You can't put a noose around anybody anymore saying they owe you this. No, they're free. So that's one thing he said you've got to do. The other thing he talks about is an issue of the heart. If you look at 15, uh, 7 and 8, if there's a poor man with you, one of your brothers in any of your towns in your land, which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart, nor close your hand from your poor brother. So he's basically saying, if you come across a poor man, um, don't blow him off. Don't, don't harden your heart. Don't become cold. Don't become callous. Don't become indifferent. No, reach out and bless that person. And he basically says, um, you better watch out if you don't. Look at mine. Beware, lest there be a base thought in your heart saying, the seventh year, the year of mission is near. 
and your eye is hostile toward your poor brother, and you give him nothing. Then he may cry to the Lord against you, and it will be what? Sin in you. <clears throat> so, um, God is really into the heart. Look at verse 10. You shall generously give to him. Okay, it's not just give to him. It's the motivation, motivation behind giving. Okay, you shall generously give to him. Your heart shall not be grieved when you give to him. For this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and all your undertaking. But the key word there, you shall generously give to him. Here it is, from your heart. You see, that's what God looks at. Not just the outer actions. He looks at the heart. What is the motivation behind why I do certain things? Isaiah 29, 13, the Lord said this to the people of Judah. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. He said the people were, oh, yeah, we're going to worship. We're going to go sing our song Sunday morning. Uh, we're going to go through the rule book. And God says, guess what? Yeah, I see you, you do it with your lips, but your heart is not in it. It's far from me. Motivation is a big deal uh, to the Lord. If you look in the New Testament, the Lord was not happy with the Pharisees. Now, these Pharisees in the New Testament, I mean, they were meticulous to keep all the rules, okay? They're going to be obedient, all right? They're going to, they're going to make sure every I is dotted, every T is crossed, uh, they're going to really be big in the rule book. Uh, the Bible says that they prayed on the street corners. They fasted. Um, and and they, I mean, they look really holy. And some of the people of Israel looked and said, wow, what holy people. Uh, that was not the Lord's opinion of them. Uh, in fact, he was quite upset with them. If you look at Matthew 23, Verse 27, here's what Jesus said to them. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. For you're like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside, okay, they on the outside appear beautiful. On the outside, the Pharisees look, I mean, they look really sparkly good. But inside they full of dead men's bones and uncleanness. Even so, you too outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. God said, it's not just what's going on on the outside that counts with me. The Lord's very clear. He says, what's on the inside that really makes the difference? Uh, there's some other things uh, that the Lord said about the heart. Uh, in Matthew 18 and verse 35, he talks about a situation, uh, and we'll get back to that situation a little bit. But he says at the end, he says, so shall my heavenly father also do to you. And here it is. If each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. Again, it's a heart issue. God says when forgiveness happens, it just can't be a word that we just tack on, uh, just some outward thing. It has to come from the inside. And quite honestly, I think we need the grace of God to forgive from the heart. Because if somebody's hurt us, 
that's tough because usually when we're hurt, now we start getting upset and ticked off. And to be able to let go of that and to forgive from the heart takes the grace of God. Uh, so if you're somewhere in this battle of somebody's treated you wrongly and you're inside your flesh whirls up and says, ah, I don't want to do this. Uh, we need to call and say, God, give me through the Holy Spirit the ability to do what you did on the cross. Okay, what did Jesus do? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. So it takes grace. And God's, again, saying it's not just what's in the mouth. It's from the heart. Uh, another thing when Jesus talks about the heart, uh, he talks about that in regards to lust. Uh, this is Matthew 5, 27. Jesus said, you've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks on a woman to lust for her has committed adultery with her already. Here it is in his heart. So again, it's not just what we do on the outside. It's what's going on on the inside that's important to the Lord. Uh, basically, uh, another one. How we give our finances. Uh, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Let each one of you do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So we at Fusion are really trying to be obedient to the Lord. And obedience means tithing to give 10% of our income. But the Lord says for it to, to be meaningful to him, it has to come from the heart. In other words, if I put in that little um, aisle, oh, I forget whatever that thing is where you put the, the money in. Uh, if you put it in there and you say, ah, oh, man, I wish I didn't have to do this. You know, that money I have could be been put to better use with taking a trip here or there. The Lord says, in a sense, then what's the point of even giving the time? If it's just an outer duty, if it's just going through the motions, then I think the Lord is saying, hey, you're missing the point. So he said to them as they give, do it from the heart. Do it with a cheerful spirit. And when you look at the heart, probably the big commandment of all of them is Matthew 22, 37. Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, your soul. And your mind. So I think what the Lord is saying here in this whole chapter on Deuteronomy 15, yeah, obedience is important, but it has to be obedience from the heart. It has to be obedience that flows out of love, that wants to be a blessing to God, that wants to be a blessing to other people. Uh, basically, uh, there's another thing and they are required to do. Uh, if you look at verses uh, we're back in Deuteronomy 15. Let me find it again. Another thing uh, that God asked of them uh, was chapter 12. If your kinsman, a Hebrew man or woman, is sold to you, then he shall serve you six years. But in the seventh year, you shall set him free. When you set him free, you not, shall not send him away empty-handed. You shall furnish him liberally from your flock and from your threshing floor. From your wine vat, you shall give to him as the Lord your God has blessed you. And verse 18, it shall not seem hard to you when you set him free, for he has given you six years with double the service of a hired man. 
So the Lord your God will bless you in whatever you do. So basically what he's saying, <clears throat> if a Hebrew is sold to you for six years, okay, that's fine. Do it. But then I think what I hear him saying here, um, that in the seventh year, you're to set him free. Again, it's, it's like the debts that we did in the beginning of 15. It's not just finances. It's setting a person free from a slavery attitude. And that's important. Uh, and he says that we need to be able to do that. Set them free, not with a grudging heart, but basically uh, with a free heart to be able to do that because we genuinely care. It's interesting, uh, and I don't have time to look at the clock here, but if you look at uh, Matthew 18, uh, 23 to 33, uh, <clears throat> it's a parable of a, an owner forgiving somebody a big, 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 big debt. And that person, because of gratitude, should go to the person that also owed him something and say, hey, the master gave me, forgave me a big debt. I need to pass that on to you, another slave who owes me a little bit. And this guy is a jerk because he doesn't pass on the gift that the master gave to him. And it says here at the end of Matthew 18, 33, uh, the story says, you wicked servant, uh, I forgave you. This is the master. This is God, in a sense. I forgave you all the debt because you entreated me. Should you not have also had mercy on your fellow slave, even as I have had mercy on you? So basically, it's saying, don't get an attitude here about wanting to clutch this, this slave. He says in 15, remember, you were a slave one time in Egypt. Remember, I had mercy on you, and I cut you a big break. So when you set this person free as a slave, set them free with a glad heart and bless them. But what's really kind of cool, there is an interesting statement here uh, in 16 and 17. Some people were given the ability to be set free in the seventh year, and they said, nope, I don't want to do that. Look at 16. And it shall come about if he says to you, this is the slave, I will not go out from you because he loves you and your household since he fares well with you. Then you shall take it all and pierce it through his ear into the door and he shall be your servant forever. And also you shall do likewise to your main servant. So what he's basically saying here, the Lord's trying to drive home is this the slave was there with the master for six years, and they had a not just a, a, a you might say a master-slave relationship. They actually began to be more like friends to each other, and the master was very kind to the slave, and didn't just treat them as some kind of a thing. And because of that, the slave began to love the master. And when the master said, "Okay, hey, seven years, you're good to go. Go ahead," the slave said, "No, no, 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 no. You've been good to me." You've been kind to me. I want to stay with you. I love you. And I want to serve you, not because I have to, okay, because they had to, the first seven, uh, the first six, I'm sorry. But he said, now I want to serve you because I love you. And, and the Bible said if, if that was their attitude, they had to 
put their ear low to the door and a, a little spike would be driven through. It was like saying, okay, I'm fully committed now to my master. What's really interesting is Paul, the apostle, uses that same mindset in the New Testament. In Romans 1.1, he says, Paul, a bondservant, that's who this person was. Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle set apart for the gospel of the Lord. So Paul says, you know, that's it. Uh, Paul said, I'll put my, my ear to the door, Lord. You can, you can put your nail through there. Lord, I'm your bondservant. I've seen what you did for me, Jesus. You've turned my life around, Jesus. You encountered me on the Damascus Road. I saw what you did for me, Lord. You died on the cross for me. Because of that, now I'm a bondservant. Not because I have to, but because I want to. I want to serve you because I've seen your tremendous love for me. And I pray that that would be the attitude of each of us as we're beginning to wrap up the day. That we, like Paul said, Lord, I don't want to go and do my own thing anymore. I don't want to be free to do my own life. No, no, I've seen your love. And because of your love, you've touched my heart to such a degree. Lord, I put my ear to the, the door. Lord, I'm yours. And I'll serve you to the day I die, not because I have to, but because I want to. So that's what I would have us see today, that God is a God that loves us, a God that wants to bless us, a God that wants to pour out all the good things upon us. But he says, you know, if you're not willing to live my way, if you're not willing to live in accordance with my nature, if you want to do your own thing, you have free will, I'll let you. And to walk away from the Lord is to miss his blessings. And not only is it to miss his blessings, it's actually to begin to experience curses in our life. It's the exact opposite. It's like swimming upstream your whole life. So know that God loves you, that he's for you. Respond to him in love. And the Lord says the most practical way you can do that is by obeying me from the heart with a grateful spirit. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for Deuteronomy 15. We thank you, Lord, <clears throat> that you very clearly, you shot it out of these pages, Lord. I want to bless you. I want to bless you. I want to be for you. I want you to have a full life. I want you to thrive. I want you to have abundance. I want you to have satisfaction. Lord, help us to be able to receive your love. Help us, Lord, not to get a, an attitude in our hearts. Help us, Lord, not to get an independent spirit or a spirit of rebellion. But, Lord, help us to see your love in a fresh way to such a degree that, like Paul, we would say, hey, Lord, I'm your bond servant, and I want to serve you out of love because you proved it so clearly on the cross. So, Lord, uh, let us carry your love out today, Lord, in our lives, whether it's with our families, Lord, whether it's where we go to work, uh, whether it's with the bank tower, whether it's with the person that's driving crazy in the car in front of us, we pray, Lord, that your love would be the keynote of our lives. So, Father, we thank you, and we just pray, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen.
Folks, have a great day. As Aaron said, may the Lord bless you and may he keep you. Amen.